Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Andrew Steele Podcast. We're brought to you by the Steel Sports Bar, the Everyman Sports site for the Everyman Sports Fan, part of the Steel Sports Bar Network. You can uh, check us out at thesteelsportsbar.substack.com. Bit of a different episode for you today. This episode was actually recorded in conjunction with the Giants Corner, part of the Toilets to Titles Network with my good friend Joseph Clark. So if you missed it, Joe came on to my podcast on the weekend to preview Super Bowl 58 in Vegas and then I went on his show The Giants Corner on Monday to break down what was probably one of the best endings we we've seen in Super Bowl history and as usual Joe and myself we could have gone all night we we talked for just under two hours we we broke Super Bowl 58 down into a fine powder we got into a load of other football stuff, Jets, Giants, and we actually finished with some baseball stuff. We we finished with some Mets talk. So a little bit of something for everyone. There's actually going to be another podcast released just after this one. I spoke to Jake Hasman of the, of the Jake Hasman show on YouTube. You can also hear him on ESPN Radio and, and Mad Dog Sports Radio. And he came down. We, we did some Super Bowl talk and then looked ahead to the off-season for the Jets. So I'm not going to get into the reason why I'm releasing two podcasts back-to-back. If you listen to the the one with Jake Hasman, I will get into why in, in that intro. I'm not going to do that here. But there is a very specific reason reason for that. Uh, plans kind of changed this, this week in the event of what happened in Kansas City on Wednesday, and that's going to be addressed in the next podcast as, as well as in an article on the website. So without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to our conversation on the Giants Corner in conjunction with the Andrew Steele podcast. Like I said, it's a long one, but it was a really great chat. And if you're looking for some last Super Bowl breakdown. This this is the show for you because we really got deep into the weeds and covered every covered every single tentacle. So without further ado, here's uh, Joe and mine's uh, Super Bowl Fifty Eight breakdown. Enjoy. Network, everybody. This is a very special episode of New York Giants Corner. We are doing a recap of Super Bowl 58. And for a very special recap, I have to have a very special guest join me, and that is Andrew Steele, my good friend who had me on a show this weekend. And we did like a preview and our thoughts of the upcoming Super Bowl. And now we're going to do a nice recap of the of the game we just saw, and he is Andrew Steele of the Andrew Steele Podcast. Andrew, it's been 48 hours since we saw each other. How's everything going? It's all good, my friend. Uh, still recovering after what was just a unreal ending to to did, um, to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. No, go on. You you go. I was. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so bad at interrupting. I just want to ask, like. 
we were on Andrew's on Andrew's show the other uh, the other day when we were we, we were recording, and I'm going to put a link to the to that episode of Andrew's show uh, in the show notes. Um, had me on Saturday, and he posted it Sunday morning. We gave our thoughts going into the game, and we were both kind of like, uh, we think this is going to be a defensive battle. You know, even though both of these teams are kind of like the first, especially with the Chiefs, the first thing you think of is offense. We were both kind of like, this This is going to be a bit, bit of a defensive battle. And I loved it. I thought that's what we saw. And I loved it. But not everyone, like, gets excited about that. How did you feel about the game? Was it a, a good game, in your opinion? It, it's so funny you say that. I, I remember a few years ago when the Patriots beat the Rams, like, 9-3, wasn't it? I think it was 17-3, uh, actually. But still, okay. it was... It wasn't like a blowout. It was more like ten to three most of the game, and then last second touchdown. Like a garbage time, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I was at a friend's apartment in Brooklyn watching it, and it was a well, it, it it was a friend of my friend's who also so my friend was also British, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously everyone else there was American, and he he told them all before. He said, "Look, trust me, you won't believe it. This guy knows more about American sports than you lot." Put together and you're you're from you know and and i was you know and we were talking and i wasn't showing off but as we were discussing off off camera you know in order to be taken seriously i do put a lot of work into that into that side of it but i remember watching that super bowl and then reading the paper the next day because yeah i do still read papers and the, the game itself was kind of slated and you know, people people say it was boring, and and I never got that. And and I think it was the same with with this Super Bowl. I I never mm-hmm. thought it. I never thought it was it it was boring. What it was was Steve Wilkes, who you know was rightly criticised because his defense was just not prepared in their first two playoff games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got you know they they put up they allowed a lot of points against Green Bay. They got absolutely torched by the Detroit Lions for a half. Yeah. And and they came out and they were ready and and they 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 brought it um from from the first minute and they really did um do a job on Mahomes and and that that offense yeah. and, and as we talked about in in on on my podcast on on Saturday it wasn't like that Chiefs offense was was that dynamic this year to start with and but then on on the other side of that, and, and it was so funny watching it watching it play out, but particularly the first half, the the Forty Nineers had so many opportunities to, yeah. to to twist the knife because because you know again one of the big talking points we we spent a lot of time on was Brock Purdy and disagreeing with the fact that he's he's a game manager and he showed on Sunday that he's not. I I think. He proved once and for all that he's not a agreed. Game I, I, he made some unreal throws, um, some really big time plays. Yeah, they didn't lose that game because of Brock Purdy. No, no, that wasn't on Brock Purdy at all. And um, but there was so, so many times where you're thinking, right? You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna put the knife down, you know, the the hammer down now, and really twist the knife. And and then they go in at half time and you think, you know, it's a seven point lead, and 
the Chiefs are getting the ball back to start the second half like that. That's the worst possible outcome. And then the Chiefs come out and Mahomes just, you know, that one boneheaded play that, that he he's really done a good job of kind of limiting the last two seasons. But he has that one, one boneheaded play for the interception, you know, on their first drive of the second half. And you think, okay, this is, this is going to be the time when the 49 is actually take advantage and then they, they they go free and out and then you think and it was at that point i'm like yeah they they've lost it they they every, every opportunity i wasn't i was not really that harsh with the chiefs when it came to this but with the 49ers and no i, I agree with you like you cannot blame brock purdy for for that you know the, the 49ers not winning not at all not no whatsoever um but I didn't feel this way for the Chiefs, but when it came to the 49ers, every missed opportunity, I was my instant thought was, you're going to regret that. I didn't feel that way with the Chiefs because it's nothing against Purdy, but it's nothing against Brock Purdy, but this is Mahomes you're going against. And there's that, I don't know what you want to call it, aura, feeling, vibe, whatever, but it's the same thing with Tom Brady, with the greats, Michael Jordan basketball, LeBron James. You know, maybe you know Tiger Woods in his in his heyday. You name it, any sport. When you're going against the greats, um, they make you pay, and um, and that was man, like that, like that missed extra point. I was just like, oh my god! I mean, what a difference between a four point lead and a three point lead. Uh, and, and there were other, obviously, you know, I don't know, miscues is the right word, but there were other missed opportunities for the 49ers. I was, you know, where I was just like every single time I'm like, you're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. And I don't think I said that once with the Chiefs because I'm like, they still, every time that happened to the Chiefs with the miscue, like, you know, say Mahomes, INT, I'd be like, well, they got, you know, they have time. But mentally for me, for the 49ers, I'm like, you're going to, you're going to regret that. <laughs> but, um, you know, they had, uh, oh my God. I mean, I, but I remember, I think it was at the end of the first quarter and maybe a few minutes into the second quarter and it was only like three nothing. And but but leading you know leading off the game like the first at least the first half the the first ten minutes of the first quarter if not the entire first quarter like the 49ers had it felt like they kind of had control like they were dictating right both sides of the line offensive defense right right it felt like that way right like they were kind of dictating things but yet they only had three points to show for it or even going into halftime and it's only ten to three I'm like man I, I mean it's not like they put up like four hundred yards in the first first half and they only had 10 points to show for it but they were like they were dominating on their defense versus the chiefs offense and and their offense was was performing well enough between McCaffrey and Purdy where I'm like you needed to have a few more points like the points you left out there you know or the opportunities you left out there and even just to chew up more clock or whatever I'm like I think that's going to bite you bite you in the rear end and that's that's how I felt and I'm like, man, second half, like, you know, I remember even at a halftime there, you know, the commentators are talking about like, and rightfully so, how like Mahomes was like, kind of like rattled. The 49ers defense had him, you know, they, they kept saying like, oh, he's like, you know, he's got to slow it down. Like his, his internal clock is off. And actually I'm thinking like, I don't think his internal clock was off. His internal clock was off. I felt like he had to get rid of the ball because they were getting, if he didn't get rid of the ball, he was going to get sacked. You know, I didn't, but that was just my observation. Uh, but I was like, you know what? Second half, man, 
Mahomes has been there. He knows what he's doing. He is a, at the age of like, you know, whatever he is, like 27 or 28, he's already a legend. And and you have an entire team that's been there before. The coaching yeah. that's been there before. And as we were talking about with our guy, Spags, this is a guy who makes second half adjustments like very few other uh, very few other defensive coordinators. And he basically did wind up shutting down that 49ers defense for the most part in the second half. So I wasn't surprised that things kind of, you know, flipped, you know, uh, you know, kind of flipped sort of to the 180 in the second half of the game there. There's so many different tentacles to this game and, and we're going to get yes. into the, the Mahomes of it all because, you know. And the tra Travis Kelsey steroid ratio. Yeah, you, you could probably dedicate five hours to Mahomes, but I, I, I don't think he was rattled. I, and I, I watched the game back earlier today. He was rattled. And, and you, you touched on Travis Kelsey there. Travis Kelsey lost it on the sideline. Wasn't, wasn't a, look, he's, he's passionate. We've seen that consistently. I don't really we've, we've, it. Was, it was awkward. I, <laughs> Andy Reid looked like a player. He looked like a player who knew he was going to get yelled at by his head coach. As I, opposed to the head coach who's like, the yeah. reason I the reason I paused is because I I need to be careful how I frame this, but I think as we touched on Saturday, there were a lot more eyeballs on the game yesterday that maybe aren't as football trained, mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean that in a derogative way. No, I just I, I just right. mean that there, there were a lot of eyeballs not really watching the football stuff, and because it was Travis Kelsey. It wasn't look. It wasn't that bad, and they, of course, are alright because it, it's in the moment, and it's you know Andy Reid's probably dealt with that. I mean, I mean he's dealt with bigger assholes than Travis Kelsey. Um, I didn't even know Travis Kelsey was was an a hole. You know, that no, was an no, but, like, but, but you know, but that what was I mean, an asshole like, moment. That yeah, was an know, asshole I, moment. I'm, I'm not saying he's an he, he's an asshole, but you know what I mean. Like, yes, Andy yeah, Reid's dealt with with bigger personalities than. Then yeah, you know, he's had Michael Vick and um, yeah, and 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 I mean, you know, the the pictures, the the still frames of it look look worse. But you know, you obviously had that loss of composure. You know, Pacheco completely crapped the bed after he fumbled. Like he just yeah. looked it for the longest time. He he just wasn't as effective and couldn't get anything going. And and to be honest, watching the game back, there wasn't a single moment where you look at Mahomes and think he's rattled. And and I think the reason that was, and and the Chiefs knew this, is because I think he knew it was going to go down to the wire. And it was like, you know, play conservative football, don't do anything yeah. stupid. You know, obviously, again, he he did have that boneheaded play on the first drive of the second half. But I think his approach was, look, keep it close. And yep. I'm going to get my moment at the end of the game when the 49ers don't know how to react because, you know, I've been here more times and I'll, I'll take the game in my hands and I'll do what I need to do to win us the game. And that's what he did. You know, it was kind of reminiscent of, of the Super Bowl last year where he had that, that run, on the bum ankle and this year he had the run on fourth down and anyone who thought that he was putting the ball in anyone else's hands in that situation is an idiot. He was yeah. always going to take that himself. And then he, he had 
which was the more impressive run shortly after where he put him in position to to get the touchdown um you know he put him within mm-hmm. within scoring range and i think i i've listened to several national talk sport shows today mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> it's so funny how many different angles you get popping from one from one to the other and a couple have kind of gone with the well you know did, did the chiefs win the game or did the 49ers lose it this was all the chiefs this and it, that was this, all the chiefs it, it I was agree all the chiefs it was mahomes doing what mahomes does when the game was on the line it was andy reed coming up with an andy reed special with the game on the line it was steve spagnola cementing his hall of fame candidacy as a as a coordinator chris chris jones had a monster game probably had the play of the game with that pressure on Brock Purdy because if it wasn't for that, Ayuk was wide open for a touchdown. And it, and it's so funny. Um obviously it was it was obvious when it when it happened, but watching the game back, we, we were saying about on Saturday show about why you never bet against Mahomes. Mm-hmm. All second half I was like the Chiefs are gonna win this because the 49ers have just blown it. And you know, when the Chiefs are driving down, when they get the ball back late in the fourth quarter, I'm like, it's game over. And yeah. it should have been game over because when he went for Kelsey in the end zone, Rashid Rice was wide open down the middle. It's- and if he w- and if he would have got it to Rice, mm-hmm. I, he had enough room to, I think, run in the end zone. Even if he would have got stopped, he would have got stopped an inch or two short, and they still had a timeout to burn, so they could have gone for it. And if they didn't get it, they would have still had yeah. time to kick the field goal. And I mean, the- Rice showed his inexperience, I think, by kind of losing his call on the touchline after. And I think Mahomes had to kind of grab him and say, "Look, we've still got, yeah, yeah." He's like you know, Mahomes is like, "Shut, dude! You know, you're still in your second year or whatever, third year probably, um, second year." But uh, no, but you know what's funny with with that rice play? I know what you're talking about. I actually did not see it, um, but I heard reference to it. Like I, I had to pick up my son at the time, and I'm I'm listening to it on a podcast, and uh, I heard the announcer say, "Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is you know coming on Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice is obviously telling him that hey, you targeted Kelsey, but you know, but hey, I was open, um, and so I, I didn't actually see the play, but I mean, you know." whatever like it's this wasn't what and what you had said i like i didn't have i i couldn't pay too much attention to social media today just because of uh, my workload extremely busy um but there is no way you can walk away from that super bowl thinking that the 49ers lost it or they gave it away and the chiefs didn't win the chiefs won that friggin' game i saw that game i saw that game uh i didn't see overtime i had to listen to it in the you know uh, in the car on the on on my phone, uh, the Chiefs won that game. Um, it's listen, mistakes happen. There are plays that aren't made. Uh, that's part of the game. You know, you look at the 49ers' offense as an explosive os- offense. Really, the only player, the only two players who really did anything on the offense were Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers. You didn't hear too much Debo Samuel. You didn't hear, you know, too much. You hardly heard Brandon Ayuk. Let me bring up the. I've got the box score over here. You didn't really hear uh, 
uh, Brandon Ayuk at all. I mean, he had 49 yards, no touchdowns. Obviously, Debo Samuels was George, George uh, Kittle was a non-factor. Oh yeah, and obviously they made it a point of shutting down George Kittle. And obviously, the 49ers did what defensive coordinator Joe Clark said to do, and that is that if you're going to vote, if you're going to do anything as the 49ers defense. You better focus on shutting down, even if you have to double team the entire game, shutting down Kelsey. Because I'm not worried about Rashid Rice. If I'm if I'm a DC, I'm not worried about Rashid Rice. I'm not worried about you know Vandel Vandez, you know Scanling, whatever his name is. If they beat me, they beat me. But I'm focused on one, well, two dudes, Mahomes and and Kelsey. And when it comes to Pacheco, I'm like our run defense is good enough that, and they did have they handled Pacheco fine. Um, but I loved, I loved, it was funny because Spagnolo when he brought the heat, what was the third and five? And uh, and they got that they forced Percy uh, Purdy into a rush throw near the end of the game. I was thinking, send send the house because you got nothing to lose, in my opinion, at that point. And you can either they're gonna run it or and you know, and when you bring the heat, when you do bring a a, a blitz, like a when you bring a heavy blitz, you're also like kind of crowding the line for the run as well. And so that's one part of, it. but also obviously you're getting to the quarterback and they got in Purdy's face. And that was a difference maker. And um, the chief's defense, man, it's like, we were talking about on your show Saturday, how like, I think it's like sneaky, how like everyone's still focused and rightfully so on Mahomes and Kelsey, but they still think of them as an offensive centric team. I don't see them that way right now. I see them as more of like, obviously it's Mahomes, Kelsey, like that's, you know, that's fair. That's the focus of the Chiefs. That is what stirs the drink, especially the quarterback for any team. Um, but you got Mahomes and Kelsey. But other than that, it's really the Chiefs have been developed into a, a defensive team over the past few years. This game, that's cut all the ball crap. So impressive. This game was always about... McDuffie all over the, the place. Yeah, it was always going to be about the Chiefs defense against the 49ers offense because... The 49ers were the better team. They were the more loaded team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then it was going to be about Mahomes doing what Mahomes does when he gets the opportunity. And the the Chiefs defense won out. I mean, you talk about that defining play when Clark got to, to Purdy and you know stopped what would have been a touchdown. The the real remarkable thing about that play, and this speaks to, to how much of a genius Spagnola is, is that that didn't look like a, a blitz until the last second. They they disguised it, you know, right until the, the last second. But that you know, there's gonna be a lot of stuff on Kyle Shanahan because there's been two overtimes in Super Bowl history. He's been involved in both and yeah. lost both. Both having that beat. I'll you know, take him as my head coach any day. Yeah, and and you and you know what, I I don't pin this on him, like I don't pin it on the 49ers. And could he have put the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands in the second half more? Yeah, there was some decisions with field goals. Sure, I mean I think if, if you're going to kill Shanahan, mm-hmm. you're going to kill him for for the decision to take the ball first in overtime. Mm-hmm. And and I and I mean I can't uh, kill anyone for taking the ball first. In well, time. well, no, but but what you can kill them for is what's come out today. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen? Have you? No, seen, I've been. So, no, go ahead. Explain to so me. So the 49ers, the players, 
I think um, Armstead was one. And there was a couple of others. They they came out and said they didn't know the new rules for overtime. Meaning, I'm sorry, maybe I'm not knowing the new rules for overtime. But so, so, so or do you mean like, you know, when you... Well, go ahead. You explain it. So obviously the, the, the new rules for overtime in the, in the playoffs are that basically it's almost a new game. Both teams will get a possession. And if both teams score a touchdown on that possession, it will then go back to the third team and it'll be sudden death. Okay. Well, so well, well, before, let me stop you there for one Let me stop you for one second. So what you're saying is that, and that I did not know. So it's not, and correct me if I'm wrong. Let me just regurgitate back to you. Um, so it sounds like it used to be, you know, as of a few years ago that, you know, uh, whoever gets the ball, if you score, if you score, if you get a, hit a field goal, the other team gets still gets a chance to get the ball. If you score a touchdown, you still win. Uh, but now you're saying even if you score a touchdown, you're the, you're the team who receives the kickoff in overtime. You score a touchdown, the other team still gets to uh, still gets to get the ball. Is that it? So, so if the 49ers would have scored a touchdown right. rather than a field goal, the Chiefs the still would have got the ball. Was Chiefs still oh, would have okay. got the ball I didn't back. know that either. And, I'm a genius. And and they would have, and they and they would have. If they would have then gone and got a touchdown, the 49ers would have got the ball back. And if they would have scored a all they would have needed would be a field goal because it was sudden death. Now, if the 49ers, because um I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this rightly, I think Purdy nearly got picked off in that first overtime drive. That would have ended the game on the safety. Um but but this rule was obviously brought into place after the Bills Chiefs playoff game a couple of years ago. Uh, we just yes. haven't seen it because obviously the, yes. the Super Bowl last year didn't go to to overtime. But I get fans not knowing. But as a team playing in the Super Bowl, yeah, you should know. Yeah. And the and the fact that and and I think what's made it worse is that the Chiefs certain players on the Chiefs. In the same interview, said, "Well, we've been preparing for this situation since training camp. Yeah, and for the last two weeks, we've actually been running drills you know where we take the ball second. So the fact that you've got veterans, because it was Armstead and someone that I can't think, it, it was a veteran. Mm-hmm. The fact that you've got two veterans on the forty nine and saying, well, we were never told, yeah, about these rule changes, and and the first we knew of it was when it was shown up on the scoreboard." Wow. That isn't a you good look on, on Shanahan's game management. That's you know what, what I'd kill him for. I, I didn't know that. And you know what? That makes all the difference. I agree. That makes so much difference. Like, what's the point in receiving the ball? If you're automatically going to get the ball, uh, no matter what the opponent does, you know, if they if they receive the kickoff in overtime, what's the point in taking the ball first? Because maybe they don't maybe they don't even score, maybe they score a field goal. But no matter what, like if they score a touchdown, at least you know if they score a touchdown. Um, yeah, if the other, if your opponent receives the ball first, they score a touchdown. No matter you are getting the ball, and if you know it's four down territory, the entire the entire drive it's four downs. No matter what, yeah. that makes all the difference in the world. But but they should fire Kyle Shanahan, and then the Giants should pick him up as the offensive coordinator. That's all that, I'm saying. That, that'd be the dream for you. But absolutely. But in- in response to what you said, that's why I would kill Shanahan for that. Because what mm. have we been saying since that? I agree. Because 
it, it, it then becomes a chess match because the team that gets the ball second are playing with an extra down. I who, want the ball second. Who, who in, you know, we did this on Saturday. If you gave me, if you said, right, I'm going to give you one quarterback to pick that you could build a team around them to win a game in the biggest moment, I said Mahomes. Eli Manning. You, <laughs> I, I love that you Mahomes. are saying. J- j- it's, it's a 1A, 1B situation. It's very close. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going for Mr. Wilson for the Jets. No joking. Um, <laughs> you do not want to be given the ball. To my home yeah. second to have an extra no. second because Hell because no. because do you want to know why Joe? Mm-hmm. We saw it play yeah. out because yeah. the whole the 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 drive at the end of the the fourth quarter to tie it and take it to overtime, and then the the drive to win it in overtime. He if you go back, um, there's a clip on my Twitter that the NFL put out the entire drive from overtime. If you watch that drive and then go back and watch the drive at the end of the fourth quarter to make it a tie game, Mahomes isn't phased at, yeah. at all. And do you know what's really eye-opening too? Go back and watch that drive in overtime, but go. I don't think they show it in the NFL clip, but watch it on the broadcast. They kept showing the 49ers sideline. They knew. They knew. Yeah. The players knew. They knew. Hey, man. They, 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 were, they, they knew. They accepted they were, they were, they it. If you're going against Mahomes, Brady, Montana, maybe a handful of others, even a Peyton Manning, um, you know it's like, holy, I, and I know what you're referring to. I remember thinking, like, at the end of the game, I remember watching some of the um, – uh, I think it was actually no. So, like I said, I didn't actually see over time because I had to pick my son up at his friend's house on the side of town. So, but – I saw leading up to when the Chiefs tied, I think it was the Chiefs tied it up. Yeah, the Chiefs tied it up at the end of regulation. And um and you could see the look on the on the 49ers face. Like it was like it was like I think the Chiefs had just gotten the ball on the 40. You'd see the 49ers, like the, the looks, their looks on the sideline, and it was exactly how you described it. Like, we know what's gonna happen here. This like a minute and a half left or more than that. It was it was too much time. And um so, but when you're going to get against a quarterback like that, um, but yeah, when they didn't, when the 49ers didn't take um, control, like in the first half, like, cause they, they were rocking on both sides of the line there. They really were. And, um, and when they didn't have the points to show for it, I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're so You're so going to regret this. Um, it was, uh, but it was still, it was fun to see. It's funny because I was, I was on social media a little bit today. I was on, you know, usually, I usually live on, on Twitter, you know, or X. Uh, I usually live on that, on that platform. And uh, I only, I was just, I was very busy with work today. So I couldn't check it out all that much. But I, you know, what I did see were like, you know, just some complaints about like, oh, uh, you know, it wasn't like the most exciting Super Bowl I ever saw. And I'm like, because they were talking about that it wasn't like, you know, the final score wasn't like 42-40 or something like that. Like, dude, that was such – that's the type of Super Bowl where you have to worry about every single mistake. Yeah. You know, when you've got two two defenses, and the 49ers defense, hats off to them too. I realize, in my opinion, really all they have to worry about uh, is Kelsey, you know, obviously Mahomes, but in terms of, you know, the weapons, it, it's really Kelsey. And I, I knew they weren't going to have a problem with Pacheco. But I like Pacheco, but he, 
he wasn't the type of running back that I've seen so far that was going to have to, you know, that was going to, you know, like pound down a 49ers um, four-man front that's stacked to the T. Like, I'm like, no, like maybe if you have your own Christian McCaffrey, you know, you could like, you know, he, he was rattled after that fumble too, like I said. It, he, he, right, he, but he, he got with it too. I mean, to give him credit, like, you know, he got better as the game along. and and uh, But it's just a stout defense, so it's nothing – I'm not even criticizing Pacheco. But but you say about Kelsey as well. I, I mean, um, and I, I want to touch on the broadcast itself in a minute, but they kept mentioned about, you know, how how quiet Kelsey was. Well, you know, on those final drives, he, he made the I mean that yes. the, the, the drive to take it to overtime, he had two or three huge plays and and it was vintage Mahomes Kelsey. But we, we, we said Saturday, right? All we wanted was a fun, good game that went right down we to the it. wire. We and got guess it. what? We got a game that went into overtime and literally yeah. went down to the last play. They there was no major why. officiating decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no. I don't. I've not heard anything today. There was no controversial officiating decisions. No. And no. guess Refs what were else? Cool. They were fine. Guess what else we didn't have? Too that much, we had last year. Too much, too much Taylor Swift. No, the turf. I mean, all we heard last year was the turf. The, the turf ah, was perfect this year. So, yeah. so we had nothing because. That was something that the Eagles kept clinging to last year. We had nothing, you know, we've had nothing all day mm-hmm. to, other than the Taylor Swift stuff, to take away from from how great the game was. Just on that, by the way, there is obviously a lot, you know, my Instagram feed is full of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift stuff. Well, and they, yeah. they were obviously out enjoying themselves last night. Do you know what I love I more than it. anything? So they're out smooching and, and dancing to one of her own songs, which I find hilarious. But even funnier than that, there is Jason Kelsey, who I think started his <laughs> retirement tour. Oh, I he, saw him at the game, yeah. And, but he, so so they're in this club in Vegas. I think they're mm-hmm. like the Mandalay Bay or something. And you've got Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift dancing and smooching. They're in, like literally surrounded by bodyguards. It's a bit sad to see it because it mm-hmm. kind of just says the sorry state of the world we live in. But yeah. at the back where the DJ booth is, you've literally got Jason Kelsey on his own with his dungarees on and a wrestler's mask just raving on his own. It's hilarious. Really? Oh man, it would have been great. I thought you were gonna say like with Jason Kelsey and Usher, who did you know who led the halftime show. You know, playing while you know Travis and, and Taylor are dancing, that would have been really, really cool. I hope those two what they should do if they're not, and they're probably not doing, but those two should just elope right now. Go to Bora Bora, yeah, elope, go to Bora Bora, you know, just get it, just get it done. Okay, let, let, cool. let me touch on these two things before because yeah. I, I kind no, of no, feel no, like we need it. to do a lot more Mahomes stuff. Mm-hmm. But let me get these two things out of the way and then we'll, we'll stick to football. So so the halftime show, I know we talked about it Saturday, and I said I was underwhelmed. I I I was bored. Like I, I don't I, ask I, me, man. I'm 52. If it's after 1989, I'm probably going to be bored. I, like the music I, that is. If they like, brought out Van Halen, well, if they brought out Van Halen, even without Eddie Van Halen, I'd be I'd be excited. 
Well, like after our conversation on Saturday, I went on Apple Music and went through Usher's um, mm-hmm. like essential album. And there's like a lot of bangers. And, and for some of my age, it's nostalgic. But like he came out with like three, four slow songs. And yeah. it's like, and, it, and, and this I think, is the Super Bowl. You got to play inspirational stuff. I mean, he's got like, oh my God, which is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he left that to last. And then he brought Alicia. Alicia Keys was great. But it was another yeah. ballad, and it was like another slow ballad. And I think by the time he got to the fun stuff, I I spent the entire half yeah. hour show on my on my phone. I was so bored. I um, agree. With you. you have to lead off with the with the fun kind of like ass kicking stuff. The stuff that's going to amp you up. That's what you got to lead off with. He he screwed the pooch. If I'm being honest, that's my opinion. Yeah. Second one, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because. This was obviously being discussed a lot. The broadcast booth, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. You know I, what? I never. They, I they were they were moments short in the game where to, he just he just kind of confuses himself and then gets himself mm-hmm. twisted in a pretzel and says. And there was a couple of times where he just comes up with some random crap and then it becomes yeah. really awkward because you can hear Jim Nance on air, like. <laughs> like, like verbally thinking, oh my god, what am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, right, right. You can hear the wheels turning, yeah, and that's yeah. his head, huh? You can hear the gears like recalibrating. Um, it, it, you know what? I have to say, Andrew, like, I don't, it's funny that you say that because I've heard other people criticize whether it's Romo Nance or just any other tandem, and I'm always like, I never, it, I'm always like, really. And I mean that just in like, you know, I, I don't notice it because to me, they become background noise, kind of like almost like you don't notice sort of like notes in a, in, a, in a musical performance that where you don't really notice. But if you pay attention, then you'll notice like that's how they are to me. Like, I don't really pay. I'm just more like I, I, like, I watch the game and and, um, you know, um, I watch the visuals, obviously. And then I'm thinking I'm watching the replays and I'm thinking about what, you know, could what could they do? What's going to come up next? You know, like, what are they going to do next? Like, I'm focused kind of like a head coach. What would I, like, what would I do next? What would, I, what would I like to see if I were an offense or defense? What would I do? So, you know, I just like, I mean, this is not, listen, we're well past. It's very hard to get like a, a Madden Summerall. Uh, and that's my time, my era. Madden Summerall, you know, um, uh, announcers or, you know, guys, uh, you know, talking with color commentators on the game and, uh, to me, they're just like, and, and like again, it's not just Romo and Nance. It's for the most part, everyone who does games that to me, they just become like notes in a long musical performance. And like, I almost have to listen to them to even, you know, focus to pick them up. So, but you're not the only person. Mm-hmm. I, I did see criticisms of Romo and Nance, and I saw criticisms of Romo. It's funny, I saw criticisms of Romo earlier this year and again i really didn't pay listen but i saw on social media and but when he first started his career and you know on tv that you know a lot of people were praising him so i I don't know to me they just become like background background noise he's he's fallen off a cliff he's definitely regressed but you see for me when i'm having a big juicy steak i like to have i love a big juicy steak baked potato with you know heaps of cream cheese now, do oh, I know? oh, you have to meet my wife, my wife, Gina. She, well, we, we both, we're all steak lovers here in my family, but my wife is all about the, 
the baked potato with the cream cheese and uh what does she get like uh what is it what else does she get in there she gets she needs obviously the butter scallions on top oh scallions yeah she's all about and i feel bad when we go to a restaurant and we order and she's got a the rest the the waiter's got to take like a million different details on her order and if it's not right like god bless you because you're gonna hear it you know i'll eat anything but you gotta be my wife Gina. No, she's I, all about the baked potato I'd, I'd with, the love sour, to. with the sour cream yeah holy cow I'd, I'd love to one day but but you know do i need the baked potato and sour cream or cream cheese yes no, but it, it adds something to my yes you do meal. and that's why the the point i was going to make about romo and i wrote i did like a final <laughs> super bowl thoughts column on sunday before the game if you offered me right you can pay $20 to listen to an alternative broadcast with Greg Olson. I'd pay it three times over because for me, Greg yeah. Olson has emerged as the guy and he just brings something extra that I enjoy with my main meal. Like he just yeah. brings like really intricate insight, but he kind of like envelopes it in a way that's, that's entertaining. And I mean, the, the fact that they've kind of, chucked him under the bus for Tom Brady next year when Tom Brady's never done this before is I think a bit of a I, I know why they're doing it because it's Tom Brady but mm -hmm. I think Greg Olson is I mean hey well, if, if if Tony Romo continues to you know embark on this slippery slope then maybe CBS will uh give Greg yeah. Olson's agent a call and say you, you fancy coming over and saving this this ship before it goes down Olsen will find, and you're probably listen. Tony Romo's a big name too. Obviously, Greg Olson is as well. Um, but they'll, to, there will be a place for Greg Olson. There will be a place for him. But Tom Brady, I bet he brings. I bet Tom Brady's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, he is a funny guy. Obviously, he's super knowledgeable. He's very well spoken. Uh, and I you know, listen. This is a Super Bowl recap, but I, I'm excited. I'm excited about Tom Brady. And I think he's he's very very smart, um, and uh, I think he's got a great personality, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to hear him. But Greg Olson, if uh, if he's not getting his proper due right now because it's a crowded field, uh, he will wind up somewhere where he will get on. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of plenty of avenues this day and age for him to get his his um, well, you know where he should be. Well, to your Tom Brady point, you know we saw with Eli Manning, he really opened up post playing career and, and i mean we we did see it sunday night i think for me the best super bowl commercial by far was dunkin donuts one which had <laughs> tom brady funny. and, and that tom was funny oh, from boston yeah so i i, <laughs> that was I think good. i think to your point Bree, and it, it, it's not that i'm worried about it's just more the fact that you know greg olson's been doing this for a couple of years now and i think throwing brady straight into the top crew there's, yeah, you know, there's going to be things you need to learn, but um, back to the game, and I just, you know, back to Mahomes, and I've just kind of spent the entire day in awe at just just how we how are, special he is. We are in the throws. Do you realize, Andrew, that we're in the like? If you were, and listen, you're a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan. I don't have hate for the Patriots. Um, you know, I don't know if you do, but many, many, many Jets and also other NFC, many other NFC East fans hate them as well. Dolphins, Bills, you name it. Jets, 
they all hate him. The rest of the AFC hates him. You know, I know Colts fans who hate him because uh, yeah, he prevented Peyton Manning from winning many Super Bowls. But you're right now you're looking at what he's on his third Super Bowl ring. Brady won his third Super Bowl ring in like 2005 or 2006, and he still played for like 12 more years. That's what we're looking at right now. Uh, where you're like, we're just, we just basically started the dynasty having two rings and they're not back to back. Isn't a dynasty, but now you've got three. It's a dynasty. And obviously he's only like 27, 28 years old. Like we got, a, we have a long ways to go. I was looking forward to as much as I've always loved and respected Tom Brady and that era. And I, I appreciate excellence. I, I'm a, in baseball, yeah. I'm a Met, I'm a Mets fan. But I appreciated the Derek Jeter Yankees. Like those, that was just all I could do was just sit back and appreciate that excellence that I saw. And for me, it was the same thing with Brady and Belichick, those Patriot teams, uh, for like 18 years or whatever it was, 16 years. And that's what we've only really just begun with the Chiefs, with Mahomes. You look at like no one's gonna remember Rasheed Rice 10 years from now, you know. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think anyone's going to remember Isaiah Pacheco 10 years from now, unless you're a Chiefs fan. You know, um, Vandez Scandling, whatever his name is. Um, these are these are forgettable names, replaceable. They're replaceable you know, players, replaceable names, as opposed to Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, like, like these are the names you're going to remember, and it's really like it's not, it's not a loaded offense. Um, it's very much like the Patriots. Like the Patriots – it was Brady, and you look at like you know through the through the years with Brady and the Patriots, like there were the defensive centric teams. Be, besides uh, Brady, besides Tom Brady, they were pretty much a defensive you know, defensive uh, team. Actually, people don't really realize that, but his you know his best passing seasons, he had Randy Moss. They didn't win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss, but he still he had some other good good wide receivers that aren't household names like a Dion, uh, not Dion Branch. He was a cornerback, but it's Hogan. The Hogan, but obviously Amendola. You know, who else yeah. was there? Uh, Wes Welker, who was a very good player. These are good players. I'm not knocking them. But, but you but talk about you talk about role players. Chris Hogan was a typical the great quarterback. Make these role players and, into like and something he, better than they are. He, he he had some of his biggest plays and Brady's biggest moments because he he was someone that Brady came to trust and but it's so funny. I think the further you go along in this business, you, you still have that fan inside you, but you learn to kind of park that fandom a little bit. And like, for me, you know, being the Jets fan, you do look at the Patriots, but I, I think as I'm trying to progress in this industry, you, you do learn to really appreciate greatness. And I mean, I've got yes. four or five books on the Patriots and I can't help but admire what they built. And you yeah. talk about the Chiefs, and what Mahomes said on the podium, it wasn't bluster. I, th- this is just a start because as we as we touched on Saturday, you know he's twenty eight years old. He's got a lot of football ahead of him as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Ten years ahead of him, at and, least. And look, Brady will remain the best as long as he's got the most Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what stood Brady apart was that he had that kind of inner desire and that clutch gene. Well, Mahomes has got the clutch gene, that inner desire, and he's got abilities that Brady never had. So you pass all those three things together, 
which is why Mahomes is the best player in football. And and again, and I think what people probably aren't think well, you know, maybe aren't touching on as, as heavily at the moment is the fact that you're going to have the the Patrick Mahomes effect, the, the same as the Tom Brady effect in terms of you're going to have veteran stars who haven't won a Super Bowl yet, who are going to take lesser deals to go to Kansas and play with Mahomes to go ring chasing. Like it really would. wouldn't surprise me next year if they pick up one or two bargains in free agency and get, you know, because there's no doubt now they're going to look to really upgrade the offense because they probably realize you can't have another year like this and then expect to compete. They're, they're, they're going to need to get I was thinking that last year. I was thinking that last year when they, when they lost Tyree kill, I'm like, listen, I love my homes and Kelsey and everything, but you know, it's a crowded AFC and there's no way they're going to win a Super Bowl last year. And yet they did it with like Kadarius Tony as their number one wide yeah. receiver. But, but like, Mahomes, you know, Mahomes is just one, so he's happy. But if you're Brett Veach, the general manager, you want to keep your face of the franchise extra happy. How do you do that? Yeah, you go and get him an, a legit weapon. Yeah, and and and, no. and if you do that, you're not only keeping Mahomes happy, you're keeping Kelsey happy because that takes the pressure off him, and you're keeping Reed happy because that makes his job slightly easier in terms of play calling. A hundred percent. And that's, and you know what, here to us, the titles, uh, we are doing, we're actually in the middle of doing our, our 10th mock draft for the 2020, for the 2024, uh, NFL draft. And, um, so please check that out. We're releasing it every other week. We're actually going to be releasing it sometime either tomorrow or Wednesday or our, uh, our newest mock draft. But yeah, it's like, uh, I think we've been pretty consistent. The the, the, the ones are running the, the mock draft here tell us the titles of me, Coach, and Ephraim, otherwise known as Mr. Mister Irrelevant. And um, that's his Twitter handle, at Mr. Irrelevant. And, um, and we've been uh, – I think I what I've noticed is that the Chiefs, for the most part, have been getting a wide receiver, but I would not be – this is a very deep wide receiver class. I know we're not here to talk about draft, but I thought I'd do a little plug here anyway uh, for what's coming up because we are entering draft season. We are. And, we are. Uh, and we got, listen, we're going to, Andrew, we're going to have you on as regular, you know, fairly regular, bit, and we're going to start to draft stuff together, all the fun stuff because until April like 27th or whatever it is, man, draft, all, all draft. But I don't know, like this is a really deep, and every class is very deep in wide receivers, wide receivers now because they seem to be so like easy to develop. I I think it's almost a mistake when NFL teams invest so much in wide receivers now because it's 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 important, it's key, but they seem to come out of college like almost like you know NFL ready uh, at least within you know within a season, within two seasons, if you will, um, that you can make it work. Um, I still want to see them build on their defense. Give Spagnolo, give Spag, give Spags more weapons. No, give give him a wide yep. receiver. I bet there'll be there'll be a wide receiver or maybe a tight end, a wide receiver at the end of the second round. I'm, I'd say I'm give, just, I'm thinking just, go go defense or go offensive line for the Chiefs. I'm just, I'm just firing up. Um, what happened? Tell me. Wide wide receiver free agents. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a thin money in that nonsense. But it, it's a thin market. But do you know? But do you know what I would like to see? Mm-hmm. Mike Evans, best wide receiver available. Going where? Kansas. Well, he could do it, but he has a ring. But if you, could... if, if you if you think of how good he was with Baker, right? And you, I think, love, I love Mike. If Evans. you're if love you're Mike him. Evans, he's yeah. still young enough where he can make a real impact. Maybe take a two year two year deal yeah. and leave a little bit of money I on the table. It. I'm not a greedy person because because if he if he goes to Kansas City for two years, say, mm-hmm. and puts up monster numbers and wins a ring or two, then you're talking about maybe a, you know, uh, maybe this is a stretch to say Hall of Fame, maybe, because I'd have to look at his numbers overall. But he is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. But you're, you're t- So th- there's a legacy part of that. Um, I, Odell Beckham Jr., I'm not really sure. I don't think he'd fit in that. But, no. um, yeah, I, I think... It'll be interesting to see what they what they do this off season, but what whatever they do, they're going to be, you know, and, and and I know they they made a point of this, you know, Mahomes said, you know, we're never going to be underdogs, and we we said it Saturday, never, never bet against I would Mahomes, never, ever. I'll take my chances. I'll put my money down and take my chances because you know it was the same two years ago when they beat Buffalo in the championship game, he needed 30 seconds to drive down the field. It, that was a crazy, that crazy game. You're talking about that, like the, yeah. possibly the greatest game of all time, the yeah. crazy game of all time. Yeah. The, and the one, and the one that forced the overtime changes mm-hmm. that obviously benefited the chiefs this time around is, you know, there can no longer be any discussion of where, yeah, they're the underdog, or oh, Mahomes won't be able to do this because they've just proven that no matter the situation, no matter the stakes, as long as you've got no number fifteen on your team. I just want people to realize if they haven't realized it yet, my millions of fans, my millions of New York Giants corner fans um, who are back, I want them to realize that we have only just now entered. You're basically like. Put you back in time of perspective. You basically entered like 2005 New, York, New England Patriots era, where you're only in like the beginning, like the first half at best, the first half of this Chiefs Mahomes um, saga. We're, we've only you've only just entered the beginning of this saga. Really, it's like he still has 10 years to go. 2004, 2005 is around the same time frame with Tom Brady, where Tom Brady already already had three rings on his hand. And we still had most people at the time, they were deriding him. A lot of detractors were deriding him as a, uh, uh, you know, as a game manager. And, uh, and, you know, 10 years later, here he was winning three more Super Bowls, you know, going to like four or five more Super Bowls, but winning three of them. And that's, that's where we are with Mahomes. We've just started. This track just started. This track. It's kind of like almost just being like I'm like um, I don't know. Even though we've, <laughs> even though he's got three rings, I feel like we're almost like on the on like you know book one of like a Lord of the Rings trilogy here. Like we've just yeah. started the track. I that's how I feel. Like there's so much more to go. And as a quarterback, like you, you could easily play until he's forty. 
easily. We've just started this track. If if some alien dropped out of the sky now and came to me and said, I'm coming to you from the future, and I'm telling you that, that Mahomes either matched Brady's seven Super Bowls or eclipsed that, it wouldn't surprise you because, like you said, Not at all. quarterbacks are playing well into their 40s now. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, the game is quarterback friendly. The, the, the QBs are uh, protected. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all, they've got all the rules on their side. And for someone like Mahomes who can evade the pocket and and make plays, you know, stretch plays out of his legs anyway and can move, mm-hmm. he's got everything on his on his side. And when he does get older and lose a little bit of the leg, he's got one hour, one hell of an arm on him. So he's he's gonna be doesn't even need his legs. He he he's he's gonna be able to play at a high level when he's you know late thirties or early forties anyway. Yeah. So I I really do think that it, you know this is just a start. They're gonna be able to attract you know pretty decent free agents on team friendly deals because I I I mean again you know I'm not trying to labour the point but because we've already mentioned him. If you're Mike Evans mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're looking at, you're looking at, right, where do I want to go spend the next two, three years of my, my career? Why wouldn't you go to the Chiefs where you've, you've got a play caller in Andy Reid who is going to open things up for you like never before. Yeah. And then you've got the best player in football and Patrick Mahomes, who's going to get you the ball and make you look damn good doing it. Andrew, I'm I'm actually I believe me, I am actually with you. If, if I were Mike Evans, not his agent, but the player, I'd say to my agent, no matter what, get me to Kansas City. I don't care if I'm making two million dollars a year. I don't care, even though I don't care if I'm making two million dollars a year and I already have a ring, you know, with the Buccaneers and Brady. Uh, I want to play with that guy because we're always going to be a good team, and I'm just going to make them better as Mike Evans. I would take the pay cut. I would take the pay cut because uh, he's already made. And this is uh, this is me. I'm like, if I'm Mike Evans, I'm Mike Evans. I'm already thinking. I've already made a lot of money. I want to win more rings. I just want to enjoy my time for the years. The years that I have left in the NFL, I want to have great time, great memories. I want to leave with Mahomes, who's a really good character. Kelsey, who's a really good character, even though he's very abusive towards the elderly. Andy Reid. I'm joking. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, it, the Chiefs are great. I'll tell you, man, here in the, in the States, like, and I live 20 minutes from MetLife. I'm a, I've been a lifelong Giants fan. Um, I love the idea of playing in for the Giants or the Jets because my, my father's a big-time, you know, long-time Jets fan playing for either team, but I've never been someone who's like, oh, I got to play for New York for New York because it's the biggest city, you know, here in the States. Yeah. I actually love the idea of playing somewhere else where, like Kansas City, where, like, there's really nothing else to compete with. And you don't have that media to deal with. Like, that's like, that's a key. Like, I'd love to be a star in Kansas City or Minnesota where it's like, <laughs> you know, where it's like, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, the media here in New York or even LA is like, it's so strong and so ridiculous that I, you know, everything you do is recorded, but to be like a star in Kansas city, I think it's so ideal. It's so ideal. It, it, and we're going to, I'm going to go on a little tangent here 
because Go you just it. opened that up for me. I love but it. Go for it. And this was brought up on a, on New York Sports Talk the other day, and it's such a good point. And I, I almost feel bad saying it because it's one of the reasons I love New York too. But the fact that there's like nine major, you know, nine professional teams across the four it's major ridiculous. sports. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that I've always loved about New York, but kind of the older I get, it's almost it, yes. As you it's mature, almost, it's almost like, a bit give it a rest because because obviously, look, we're going to see in Kansas City now. They're going to have the parade at some point this week, and all eyes are on Kansas City. If if the Giants or the Jets win, half the city's not going to be interested because they're going to be fans of the other team, right? It's the same with the hockey team. Same with the Mets, Yankees, Knicks are different because the Nets are never going to have that real estate. But you know, hey, baseball, football. Watch and, your mouth. I'm a, um, I'm, a, I'm a Nets. I'm a Nets fan. You you better be careful, my friend. But but you you know what I'm saying for the baseball, football, and, and hockey. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams fighting for the same real estate. You don't have that in Chicago, in Kansas, in Pittsburgh. Oh, 100%. If the, if the Pittsburgh Steelers go and win the Super Bowl next year, which I don't think they're going to, but that's for argument's sake, say they you know, they win the Super Bowl in the next five years, that entire city is locked down for the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing about – being a fan of a team that's like a, a like a one uh like a, like I'm not going to say one team as like they only have one professional team but they only have one team per sport you know yeah. here in New York it's so much i mean listen i'm a giants and mets fan andrew andrew steels a mets fan as well he's a jets fan i'm a giants fan but we're both mets fans we connect there i'm a i'm i'm an islanders fan and a devils fan actually i'm in jersey so long story there but Islanders are my 1A, Devils are my 1B. Uh, and um, when it comes to basketball, I'm a Nets fan. Like I said, I'm, I'm from Jersey. So, you know, and I'm glad that they actually moved to Brooklyn. I thought that was a great move. But, um, but yeah, there's so but there's the, the Jets, the Yankees who rule everything. You know, understandably so. I respect the hell out of that team, out of that, or, out of that organization, the Knicks, the Rangers. And I, and I, I love their lore the lore of those other teams here in New York. I really do like the Rangers and the Knicks. I really, really do the rain. All of the Yankees. I, I really, I love their lore. I love their history and I respect them. I don't root for them, but I respect them. I really do. But man, if I had my choice, like if I'm, you know, a primo prospect coming out of the draft, like I think I'd rather go to like a, <laughs> a one horse show, you know, say like in Kansas city where I remember watching quarterback that really good series on Netflix with Mahomes and uh, was it Mahomes, um, the quarterback from the Vikings and the quarterback from uh, from the Falcons, and it was actually oh, really really cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good. Cousins, and it was very cool. And I, I respect all three of those guys. You look at Mahomes, and he's like, this is the dude who like is like Tom Brady could rule the world. You know, I mean, it's sports world, like you know, just. He could be wherever he wants to be. He could be. We don't get overly inundated with Patrick Mahomes at all. And that's how I would be. And, like, he seems like a type of dude who's like, I win my Super Bowls. I say what I want to say. I don't go too crazy. Mahomes is a very respectful person. And when football season's over, you know what? 
he's with his family going, say, like, you know, Easter. They're going to, like, you know, wherever, Easter egg hunting, you know, um, you know, hunting for Easter eggs with their children. You know, like, stuff like that. Like, it's nothing – you don't see Mahomes except maybe, like, one or two commercials. And that's it. Like, there's nothing crazy with Mahomes. That's how I would be. That's the type of person I yeah. am. And that's where I'd want to be. Like, I don't want to be like in this metropolis, whether it's New York or LA. If you draft me, great. I'm going to brace it. And I grew up in this metropolis. I, you know, maybe I could handle it, but I'd rather be like Mahomes. You mentioned work. Kirk Cousins there. Like, obviously, you I like Cousins. I like Cousins a lot. Um, I do. I, I'm, a, I'm the president of the Kirk Cousins fan club. No, uh, I'm the president of the Kirk Cousins fan. Okay, I'm the, you. I'm the vice president then. Um, no, I'm the but, vice president. But you, uh, you see on that documentary, you know, he'll he'll go into Barnes and Noble on a, on a Wednesday, and yeah. you know, their, their family's embedded in that. In that, that's me. Yeah, um, Barnes and Noble. Me, and my son, we go to Barnes and I, Noble like Wednesday, Thursday nights. I love that store, but <clears throat> you know, you look at Minnesota. Minnesota gets slapped on, I think, a lot because of the weather, but. That that's one of the most underrated great cities town. in America. You know they've got hundred percent. They love their Vikings. And look what um, look what happened this weekend with the Wild. You know Mark Andre Fleury played in his one thousandth yeah. NHL game. And wow, Fleury, holy cow! And it, wow. and it came and it came mm-hmm. against of all teams the Pittsburgh Penguins, the mm-hmm. team he won all those cups with. The, the yep. building was packed. Yep. Like you, you don't. You don't necessarily you get that appreciation. Yeah, you get that appreciation. It's more intimate. Don't get me wrong. You can you know, like you can have like this. They're like a Jeter, Derek Jeter, awe, who I love, and I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm a Mets fan, but I've always loved that guy. He's a very respectful, professional player. You know, a human being. And um, but you get that to get that awe, or just to be have that intimacy with one town, like in Minnesota, like you know Minneapolis or a, um, or a Kansas City, and these are two decent sized cities compared to most of Western civilization. Don't get me wrong, or here in the United States, like they're not you know megalopolises, they're not huge cities, but they've got a decent size and a good nightlife and everything. They've got culture, they've got civilization going on, you know to. Be able to like be kind of like the star of that show, but also be able to go to like you know something small like a cabaret show, yeah, you know, or or just dinner and like you can be the star without being like you know TMZ all over you. That's that's the sweet spot, in my opinion. I, I hate to keep bringing him up, but you know, he's, he's such a cool dude. But, um, Kurt Cousins again, there was I love Kurt. Uh, Last year, he literally just rocked up to a Twins game and just sat amongst the fans. Didn't, Is didn't, that what you would do, though? If yeah. you were, if you were the quarterback for the Vikings, that's what I would do. Is that what you would yeah. do? Yeah, me too. Exactly. And, I, I'd roll uh, up. And he was asked about it, and I think he almost kind of was like, "Well, you know, why wouldn't I?" You know, yeah, he just said, "Look, we just we you know we woke up." Realized they were playing at one o'clock. You know, I've got Let's a young go. son, so it's ideal. Yep. So we just turned up and bought tickets, and we just want to yeah. watch baseball. We don't want any but of the it, other. But that's how you do it, and that's like that's like a that's real life, real person. You know, and that's what I love. Like, like I said, like you know, growing up in this area, if I were that age, I assume I could hand I could handle it if I had the skills like a Mahomes or Brady, being in New York or Joe Namath, yeah. Bill Sims. 
Eli Manning. It, it does. Like, it's funny because, you know, I do draft, you know, draft mocks all the time here at Toyota Titles, and, and I am careful about who I draft in New York and L.A. Those two markets exclusively, Chicago and Houston, don't really count. Miami, it doesn't – it's not the same. Like, the New York and L.A., but especially New York, like, do you have the personality fit? And as a Jets fan, Andrew, like, you have to be – like, you know, like, you know, Andrew, you're a savvy fan. This is a real thing. Like, it's not a joke. Like, it's not – can you handle the New York market? Some yeah. players can. Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, and it's just the most. Re- and I don't bash on Kadarius Tony. I see a lot of Giants fans annually. They're like, Kadarius Tony, blah blah blah. I don't care. I'm like, dude, leave the dude alone. He's on another team. Who cares? Whatever. You know, um, he gives back to the Giants fans. You know, equally. Don't get me wrong. He's good at. It, but I'm like, you know, leave the dude alone. But it's not easy being in this market, and um, and. You know, you're a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan. And, like, when I'm drafting for a team here at Tulsa Titles, when we do our mock drafts, um, you know, I'm wary. I'm like, you know, if I'm drafting for the Giants or the Jets, but especially the Giants because they're kind of like the Yankees, honestly, like the Yankees of the New York NFL teams, you know, and uh, they are the big brother. I'm like, can you handle being the quarterback? If you're – if you're JJ McCarthy, can you be ha- can you handle being the quarterback of the Giants? Yeah. Like, I'm not just talking about succeeding professionally on the field. Can you handle the market, the media? Can you handle yeah. that? And it's a it's a real thing. Yeah, there's yeah, there's way more prestige with the Giants than there is the Jets. But look at Sonny Gray. He's been a he's been a top end starter for every team he's pitched on, apart from the Yankees. He completely crapped the bed in New York, and then he goes to. You know, not look surprising. At he, look at what he did with Minnesota last year. Not surprising. He was, he, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was great for him. And then he, you know, he, he signed a decent free agency deal um, this winter because of that. But he, he just couldn't couldn't do it in New York. And, and I mean, you know, lesser example. But look at McCall Hardman. Started the year with the Jets. And yeah, end, ended it with a scores he, a touchdown. Look at him. Not can surprisingly. I, can I go on the mini Jets round here? Go for it. It it just I you you tried to talk me down from the ledge on Saturday, but it's not gonna work. I need to actually see, you know, like you know, it's like you have you know, you, you have the a, a guy who Andrew, comes, you keep talking, I'm hitting the bathroom real quick. Yeah, no worries. Going, over, going out for an hour, going out, go ahead. You you have a you know, you have the guy who constantly cheats and Eventually, he is who he, you know, he shows you he is. He's a cheater. Well, until the Jets show me that they can be a well-run franchise, they're always going to be this dysfunctional mess. And, you know, McCall Hardwin scores the winning touchdown after starting the year on the Jets. And literally, while the confetti is still raining down on the field in Vegas, Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, is sending a video out announcing that they've got new uniforms coming, which if that's not the most Jets thing, then I don't know what is. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have just won their, you know, their third Super Bowl in five years, back to back. The winning touchdown is scored by a guy that was on your team at the start of the year. And you're boasting that you've got new uniforms coming out. That to me is, 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 I when I saw it, like it was literally they sent the video out 
seconds after the presentation. And I'm watching it, I'm thinking, like, if that is if that is not the action of, of a dumpster fire of a franchise that have, that has nothing to hang their hat on for the last two three decades, I don't know what like a, a team's literally just won the Super Bowl. The winning touchdown has been scored by a player that was on your team at the start of the season, and then you're put like could that video not be put out on Wednesday? Why is that being put out? the night that a team is winning, like it, it and it, it, Woody Johnson's got a history of this. It's, Oh, I own the jets. The jet, the jet should be the biggest story because Woody Johnson has a history of doing things on impulse. The, the whole reason they got Aaron Rodgers was because he wanted the jets to be talked about. I mean, that was obvious. He, he, he had enough of the jets being irrelevant he knew that by going out to get Aaron Rodgers, the Jets would be talked about constantly. Unfortunately, not for a lot of good reasons. <laughs> what, well, Andrew, why? You know what? Aaron, well, listen, I don't have a problem. I actually disagree with you. And you're a Jets fan. Maybe I'm just being more, uh, so listen, I'm I'm a Giants fan. I'm, I'm hardest on my team. People talk about like, you know, they... They're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, other fans of other teams are saying this about the Giants, yada yada yada. Eagles, Cowboys fans, Washington fans. Like, I don't care. I'm like, I'm hardest to my team. Like, that's like, I'll give props to other teams before I give props to my team, and I give them credit when I feel like it's really, really due. And I, I, I have a feeling you're the same way. Like, you're very, very, you're very hard on your organization. I do think, I sincerely believe that if Aaron Rodgers were healthy this entire season. The Jets would have been would have been in play to win that division. I'm not guaranteeing they would have won it, but because Buffalo is very talented, uh, the Miami is very talented. But I do think the Jets would have been uh, in my in my. I actually picked them to win the division this year, assuming that that Aaron Rodgers was healthy. Um, but so, but every when you're but, as but someone who's like the only the only organization organ only organization excuse me, the only organization I follow that actually has multiple wins is the Giants. I'm a Mets fan, Islanders. Well, no, Islanders, but it's been 40 years for the Islanders. Nets, like, when you haven't won in a very, very long time, or like a Jets fan, it's, um, I think things get blown out of proportion. I'm just saying stay Stay the course with Aaron Rodgers, and I think everything will be fine. But, but get him my, another receiver, my, get him defensive players, my, get him offensive line. My point wasn't about Aaron Rodgers, though, this time. It was about the organization as a whole. I know. I know. And, it's been and, that way for a long time. But, it's been but, that way for a long time. But to, but to the Rodgers point, I, I think I, I do kind of agree with you, but then it's like, you know, ifs, buts, coconuts, and nuts. Like, you know, if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. Like, mm -hmm. you can talk all you want about if Aaron Rodgers was healthy. The fact is, he wasn't. And the 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 fact is that the offensive line was the worst offensive line in all of football. It wasn't worse it, than the Giants. Did they give up eighty-five sacks at the Giants? They gave up eighty-five sacks. I don't look. care about they, the PFF rating. It was one of the event, one of the worst, if not the worst. It was it was 30, 31 to 32. Outside outside of Garrett Wilson, they've got no weapons. You know, because mm -hmm. Reese Hall. 
Yeah, I'm talking wide receivers. Okay, gotcha. Why? Because Rogers bought in a load of his old crippled Lazard for eleven million dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he's bought in a, an offensive coordinator who 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 can't be inventive outside of Rogers at all. He he insisted on um keeping Wilson around when it was clear that Wilson should have got cut mm-hmm. and not be kept around and it was a detriment to the team. Um I mean you've seen the owner. The owner's come out and absolutely torched Wilson this week, which probably isn't the best thing to do when you're still trying to trade him. But they they you're just not, you're so, not getting anything from him anyway. No. So I I just think that it's fine to have the argument to say, well, if he was healthy, but I think that was the argument that you, like, if you would have pitched that argument to me the week after the Buffalo game, I would have invested in that more. But I think because of the season we saw play out, they've got a multitude of problems they need to fix. Like football, it's not all like, you know, I know we talk about Mahomes winning his team to victory, which is fine. And Rogers is going to be able to win the team a few games on his own. But I think the fact of the matter is a 40-year-old coming off that series of an injury, if he's going to have the same porous offensive line, mm-hmm. no reliable weapons outside of the Brees Hall and um that's Garrett that's Wilson, the main thing I'm that's the I, main thing I'm doing is I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I'm I'm just like yeah, so if you're telling me, and again, we have to see what they do in the draft and free agency, but if you're telling me that he's going to have a similar offensive line and no reliable weapons outside of Brito and Garrett Wilson, then that, he's not going to be a good year. Like, no. I'm just not it, buying yeah. it. I No, no, I agree with you. No, when it comes to the we- I'm not worried about the weapons. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you can, he is in the Mahomes tier. I realize he's 40. He's that type of experience and, and, and football IQ that I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about the weapons. He's got he's got um he's got Garrett Wilson, he has Brees Hall, and quite frankly, I think he actually has some tight ends that don't get the proper recognition. people don't know about yet, really, because um because uh, they haven't Aaron Rodgers hasn't played with these guys yet, but I think they've got like um I think they've got more weapons than Jets fans realize. Um, it's just that you haven't seen it because you've only seen Zach Wilson. Uh, however, I agree with you. The one, what I am focusing on is if I'm the Jets, I'm getting either Joe Alt in this draft or Olufashanu out of Penn State, one or the other. But I, or even uh, Talisi Fu, uh, Fuaga out of Oregon State, I am getting another offensive lineman. I'm or I'm going defense. I'm not going weapons. I'm I'm going either offensive line or I'm going defense for the Jets. Because Aaron Rodgers is like a Mahomes or a Brady, where he will, you know, make these. And I, I thought the the excuse me the uh, Lazard contract was ridiculous. I think it was like eleven million dollars a year for a few seasons, guaranteed. I thought that was ridiculous. But Aaron Rodgers is going to make anyone pretty much look pretty damn good and live up to the contract. He really will. He is like Mahomes, and I, I believe at the age of forty, coming off this injury. He, he still will do that until he proves that he can't. Um, that's just how I feel about him. Same thing with Tom Brady. Like he's just one of those remarkable historic quarterbacks who's don't worry about him. 
worry about well, your offensive line. They, they, you know, they get have... that offensive tackle or add to your defense, like even yeah. make it even better than it was in, you know, in a lost 2023. Well, they, they have to hope that's the case because I can tell you, I, I, I would, I can tell you something with almost near certainty. They're not adding any, they're not using their first round pick on a defensive piece because I think it's become not clear. really worth it. I, well, it's become clear as our Rogers is going to have the say on who they pick, and he's mm-hmm. either going to go wide receiver or, because they've given him the yeah. entire they've given him the entire franchise. So, for for their sake, I he hope better go well. offensive line. If he's got the say, he better go offensive line. Yeah. It's a very well, good offensive line class. We, I, I, I didn't mean to go off on a Jets tangent. It was uh, I literally only brought the point out. It's okay, you. man. Just, this just, is postseason. We're see. you know having a few drinks and we're just shooting the shit. It's all good. Um, I only literally brought the point out to say that I I think it's I, I think it's embarrassing to release a video about new jerseys coming out while a team's still celebrating a Super Bowl win. But um, we've been going a little while. I know. So the last thing I will say to bring it back to Mahomes is. I want to issue a little um, public service announcement to everyone. So, you know, get closer to your, your, uh, whatever you're listening on. I think we did this with Brady and it's what we were saying about appreciating greatness. We, we live in a world now where for whatever reason we have to hate on people that are successful mm. and Mahomes gets a lot of hate I don't really know why, like, he gets a lot of hate because he's got a brother who's annoying. I, I don't know how that's his fault. He gets a lot of hate because there's a lot of angry men out there that can't wrap their heads around that his wife's been with him since they were they were teenagers. And they're, you know, they're now attacking her because she's on the front of the swimsuit issue. And, well, what she done, yet yeah, they can't. They, they can't seem to grasp the fact that she's actually bought a woman, a professional woman's soccer team to Kansas City and helped build the first all-purpose, I think it's like the first all-purpose soccer stadium for a, a women's team. And she's been at the forefront of and she's part of that ownership group. Um, so there's all these different reasons people hate on him. And then you add on top that, you know, he's the best player in football and the Chiefs keep winning. Just, just appreciate it because this kind of greatness you don't see all that often. And I just think we didn't do, appreciate we didn't do it, it with Brady because we were too busy hating on him. Just appreciate it because someone like Mahomes isn't going to come along all that all I'm, that often. If at all. I'm going to, I'm going to say this, Andrew, who's a Jets fan, uh, he slash they were too busy hating on Brady. I, the Giants fan, were. I'm very busy appreciating Brady because we handled them. Also, we had Bill Belichick. Oh, yes. Most true. Giants fans were consistently thinking, what could have been? What could have been? He should have been our guy. He should have been our head coach. And uh, But we handled Brady, so it wasn't a problem. So you're only sucking but, up because you hope Bill Belichick ended the more, the the more, Andrew, the more Super Bowls that the Patriots and, and Belichick and Brady won, the more I loved it, I rooted for them in every freaking Super Bowl because it made the Giants look even better. And unfortunately, I have to throw the Philadelphia Eagles in there because they beat the Patriots too. Because no one remembers them; they're forgettable. The Eagles Nick, are disgusting. Nick Foles, Philly special. They're disgusting. And that stupid statue outside of their stupid stadium. Forget them; they're long, disgusting. Long Pigs. live Nick Foles. 
No, actually, I love Nick Foles. I have a lot of respect. I, you I always like Nick Foles. He's dude. He's a dude. You, I like him. You gotta love Jason Kelsey too. How could you not? No, there's a dude. I respect man Harry Roseman, the GM for the Eagles, scares me to death. He's like Emperor Palpatine. He's like the mad genius who, like any player who's released from any team, he's going to the Eagles. He's going to the Eagles for you know $500,000 a year or whatever. <laughs> it's Harry Roseman is a, is a mad genius as a GM. And the Eagles have, um, they haven't won that many Super Bowls, but man, they are like a team that's an organization for a long, long time has been for decades now has been a consistently good team. And uh, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for uh, for Harry Roseman, the GM of uh, the Eagles. And actually, I love Jalen Hurts. I root. I don't. I don't. I can't say I root for him because he's an Eagle. But I actually really respect. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I really, really do. But I will never root for them to win. Screw them. I think what what Sunday taught us as well is that in in the era of the salary cap having a, a, a GM who knows what he's doing and who, who knows how to build a team from the trenches in is yeah. so valuable. And, and the fact that the Chiefs have got Brett Veach who, you know, the, the defense he's put together. Yeah. You know, look, offensively, some of the pieces that, that they've signed haven't worked out, but I think, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster actually had a really good year last year, and then mm-hmm. you know left in free agency. They, they no, had, he did. You know, they you know, but I mean, look, he traded Tyreek Hill so they could sign other pieces, and they've they've won two Super Bowls since. So the the job he's been able to do, they and, did the and right they, thing. And and look, he'll make. I'm I'm pretty confident he'll make moves this year where they'll be able to sign Chris Jones to a contract, and yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll go out and and add a significant piece to that offense this year, be it through the draft or in free agency or trade. Because I I think they're going to want to give Mahomes a, a bone to kind they of. They should. They should. I mean, it, listen. Uh, I was pointing out earlier, you know, a few minutes ago, like five ten minutes ago. It's a it's a deep wide receiver class. They should give get him another weapon, but. You know, uh, I'll tell you, at the end of the first round, Andrew, there's going to be a lot of really, really good talent. Like, don't be surprised if – I'm not going to say the guy is taking the end of the first round or in the second round are going to be better than Marvin Harrison Jr. or or Malik Neighbors. I don't think anyone will. But, man, it's going to be – yeah, besides those two, like, don't be surprised if anyone taking, like, you know, back into the first round or any at any point in the second round, if they wind up being better than – any other wide receiver taken in the first round, not named Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. Uh, it's a really stacked wide receiver class. This this offensive class, like if you want, I would suggest teams stack up on your offensive players. I'm not crazy about this draft as a um, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Some good cornerbacks, a few good edges who flash. I think I think it's actually pretty good uh, at defensive tackle. Uh, but it, it's not last year was a very strong defensive class. This not this one not so much. So I, I recommend stacking up on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's offensive line or wide receiver, you got a plethora to to, to choose from. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think I, I need to do I haven't started my 
my deep dive on the draft yet, but they, it, it's definitely flush with talent on the offensive side of the ball. And um, but I, I think in terms of just the final thing for me again, just you know, as as we as we reflect on on what we saw on Sunday, I mean this this Chiefs team, man, just just, just special and and what it we're is. seeing. With, what we're seeing with Mahomes and and, and Kelsey and and I, and I think you know again Andy Reid needs a lot more kudos because that play he drew up for the game-winning touchdown and and if you know two years running now mm-hmm. the offense has been completely stymied in the first half because you you said it first half the 49ers are in control but I think the Chiefs took over in the second half now they did. That didn't Were you shocked? I wasn't shocked. No, because again, it's that big game experience, and and yeah. I, I think you mentioned it on Saturday show with, with the defense that they started slow against the Eagles, yeah. made adjustments, and I think they 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 probably went in the the half on top of the world because they were down seven points, and was, all right, we yeah. got number fifteen, so um, yeah. Just, just what they've built there is, and and the fact that they're all going to be back next year. And 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 if you look, it wasn't just the fact that they had no, you know, they they hardly had any weapons this year. They, I think, they had like the toughest schedule in the postseason, and they're on the road. Understandably, they they were defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah, they had a hell of a schedule during the regular season. They had to play in Germany, mm-hmm. so you know there was every reason for them to kind of crumble this year, and they didn't. You know they're on no. top of the world right now. You know, so, Andrew, I learned last year. I expected them to crumble last year. I expected them to make the playoffs last year, but to not make it to the Super Bowl. When I say crumble, to not make it to the Super Bowl. When they made it to the Super Bowl and beat a team in the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think on paper, in my mind at least, on paper, were better, were, were substantially better than the, than the Chiefs last year on paper, and they lost, and the Eagles lost, for, uh, Chiefs won. After that, I'm like, I will never, ever in my life bet against Reed and Mahomes, or Mahomes, Reed, stack it however, any way you want. I'll never bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed again. Same thing with Belichick and, and Brady. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's like you you will lose some Super Bowls, but you're going to win more than you lose. Yeah. You know, And that, that combination, uh, Brady-Belichick won two-thirds of the Super Bowls, and I expect the same for, for Mahomes and Reed. It's just too good. And they've got a really great defense. So Yeah, and look. The 49ers had the better team, but they didn't have number 15. And that was a different hey, they had the better in my opinion, they had the better team like three or four years ago when they when they had Garoppolo quarterback and they played yeah. the Chiefs. And and I thought they were better the, the better team then as well. I think on the flip side of all this though, and obviously I, I will probably have to wrap up in a minute, but yeah. Um I I just feel sorry for Carl Shanahan because like we say with Mahomes, what he does on the biggest stages, what his legacy is, well, it's what you do in the big games. What you do in the regular season doesn't matter a crap. It's what you mm-hmm. do in the, the postseason. And 
yeah. I think what's been lost in the conversation now because of what's happened in the in the playoffs is that Kyle Shanahan, like his dad, revolutionized how football is played. You know, he yeah. he was the first off that tree of that of that Mike Shanahan tree that that really revolutionized offenses and, and is a big reason why we're seeing the, the surging points today. And obviously Sean McVay was, you know, Mike McDaniels are all offshoots of that of that tree. And but because he's now been to three Super Bowls, two as a head coach, one as OC, and like we said, there's been two overtimes in Super Bowl yeah. history and he's been involved in both and lost both. That's going to be kind of the, the the stain on his resume, and 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 I think the the sad thing is for the 49ers is that they could go down as one of the best teams never to win a Super Bowl because look, you know this as well as I do. These windows are so damn short, and um, uh, his name's escaped me. The the defensive player who went down hurt. Oh, why am I losing his name? But obviously, uh, you know, Debo Samuel went down. I'm sorry, Trey Greenlaw. Yes, that's it. I I, yeah. I don't know why his name escaped oh, me. But, I didn't realize that was muted. <laughs> um, but you know, that's going to be a, a a tough one for him to come back from. You know, Debo Samuel you know, was banged up. George Kittle was banged up. You, you know, what have we? What's been the the long conversation about Christian McCaffrey is well, as long as he can stay healthy. Now he has done for a couple of years, but yeah. that's always been the rub against him. And you know, and you hope not, but there's no guarantee that he's going to stay healthy, right? And and, you, and, you, and so these windows they do close. They to, do, you know, they do. However, I think there are coaches and GMs who are better than others. And, and when it comes to them, I don't believe in the, in the windows closing. Like, I don't think about a 49ers windows cl- window closing. I don't, because they have a really good GM and they have a really good head coach. When you've got that combination, I wouldn't worry about a window closing. I think you worry about that when you've got, let's say, you know, I'll put it this way, bluntly, Buffalo. I'm not a Buffalo fan. I wasn't surprised that Buffalo didn't make the Super Bowl. I don't think they're overly impressive. I don't think their coaching's impressive. I don't think Buffalo has anything impressive about them except for Josh Allen. Uh, Stephon Diggs is a very good wide receiver who just who, th- who just hit 30. I think their defense is good, and it was actually looking really good uh, when they signed some uh, key free agents uh, this year, Buffalo. Um, and then they had a few injuries. And Buffalo, I, I think Buffalo's in trouble. And I think they're in trouble because I don't think they have an excellent GM. I remember when the Giants hired their GM from Buffalo two years ago and Brian Dable. I'm like, listen, I like Brian Dable. I like the idea of Brian Dable. I like, um, you know, but don't but don't push too hard for me. I'm like, don't push Joe Shane on me too hard from Buffalo because you're acting like they drafted this phenomenal team. And really, I, I felt like they drafted a, a, a good team, a fine team, but not overloaded with superstars. They drafted Josh Allen, and that's what they nailed right. And I always get nervous. It's the same thing with Nathaniel Hackett, drafted uh, head coach from Green Bay. Who made that? Who made that guy? No one would know Nathaniel Hackett except for Aaron Rodgers. 
Ben McAdoo, who was the head coach of the Giants back in 2017, 2016, 2017, he was hired by the Giants because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, um, and then people pretend like, oh, it's these, you know, great offensive schemes, yada, yada, yada. No, it's not. It's a quarterback-driven league. You, you're focused on, on Ben McAdoo coming from the superior system. He comes from a system that's got that's got Aaron Rodgers. It's the same thing with 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 Josh Allen and Buffalo. People are focused, have been focused on like on on uh, on coaches from say Buffalo, like Brian Dable. I'm like, dude, you drafted, you did a great job in in identifying, drafting, and drafting uh, in Josh Allen, and that's not. I don't take that for granted, but you did that. You did both. You identified him, and you and you not just drafted him. You also developed him, and that's not a given. That's not a given. So it takes talent as a coach. But when you're a team that's got a, a really great quarterback, who in my opinion is up there with Mahomes, who's Mahomes asking Josh Allen, and you haven't made a Super Bowl, that's a problem. Um, so I do think if I'm – short story being that if I'm San Francisco, I feel very good. If I've got um, – whoever the GM is, I forgot who it is um, – and whoever they're um, and and Kyle Shanahan as my head coach, I'm all good because you've got two really good guys who know what they're doing in drafting and on the offensive side of the ball. Kyle Shanahan has been in the Super Bowl two times as head coach. You've got nothing to worry about. It's the same thing on the for Kansas City Chiefs. Like you've got Andy Reid. You've got you don't have anything to worry about. You're all yeah. good. That's a fair you know, point. You don't, yeah, I, like I don't. But like I said, with Buffalo, like other other teams, Miami, I'd be scared about a window. I'd be very scared about a window because yeah. you don't know, you know, your head coach, your GM. No, I don't know if I have that combination. As good as these teams are, Dallas, I don't know if I have that combination. I don't know. Dak Prescott and what's his name, McCarthy. I don't know if I have that combination. Even Philadelphia, I got to be a little worried, even though I think Harry Roseman's a mad genius. You know, he's like a bad wizard over there. Um, I'd have to be a little worried about it. I mean, San, San Fran's been to two Super Bowls in what, the past three or four seasons now. Mahomes and, and Reed have been to, you know, like every single Super Bowl, maybe outside of one over the past five years. Like, I, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a – that. That is a fair point and probably a good one to, to finish on, I think. Yeah. That's almost an hour, 40 minutes. So we should probably should wrap up over here. But listen, it's the end of the 2024 season or 2023 season, excuse me. Um, it's been a long season, but a good season. Uh, as a Jets fan in Andrew and a Giants fan for myself, it's been a long season on the, on the bad side of football. It's been very, very long. Um, but man, I am so looking forward to the draft coming up in two and a half months. And um, but that that's you, the thing. There's there's no such thing as an off season. You gotta be anymore. optimistic. They they like I I put this line in a story I did yesterday. The NFL is the best at squeezing. It is. It's never a downtime. Never its most profitable orange, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. They they like. With the NFL Network and you know, Good Morning Football never goes away. Um, you know, they they obviously they t- they tend during the off season to rotate with different um, 
announcers, you know, a different uh, team, presenter team, sorry, whatever you call them. Um, but it never goes away. And obviously the, the draft is just around the corner. And then before you know it, it'll be training, rookie camps and training camps. So yeah, we're going to have uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. I know me and you want to do more together 100%, next, next season. So hopefully we can get that sorted out in some way, shape or form. And, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, what what a way to finish the the twenty twenty three season and looking looking forward to uh, the draft and getting next season started. No, it's going to be a good time, and man, I can't believe the season's over. It has, I mean, as a fan of a shitty team, it's been a long ass season. I got to say, it's been really long. But you know what? Super Bowl ended yesterday. Hope springs eternal, Andrew, and mm-hmm. I am very very optimistic. <laughs> You, you say you say that the season was long for you. Think about me. The season was over after seventy five seconds. Yeah. So it was. It, it, it was. Never, it it was started for us. It was, but I actually wasn't surprised. It's like I've seen that so long. It, it sounds like I'm being negative, like Jets fans. I, I'm not trying to kick in the nuts, but it's just true. It's like you guys yeah. have the worst luck I've ever seen in my life. There's no other organization that could have been that that could have happened to besides the Jets. And I'm not even joking around. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm dead serious. I've seen it all over 50 years. I I don't like, I'm not one of these people that jump on the curse bandwagons. I don't like to give Mm -hmm. credence to curses, but I think in the case of the Jets, I'm I'm willing to accept that there's some sort of curse on that franchise. Too much there not to be. I feel the same way about the Mets, and we're both Mets fans. Oh. You know what? We have to do some baseball stuff this this season, Andrew. We got to do some baseball. Well, spring, stuff. Tri- spring, it is baseball season now. I know training. it is. We're actually people. We're officially in baseball season. Actually, now we really are. It's crazy can, when can you think I, about it. Uh, can I before we go because we're mm-hmm. now approaching one hour forty minutes, and people listening to this are going to think, "Oh my god, he is." the biggest moan they're going. But it's, it's kind of the same with the Mets. I, I think we knew at the trade deadline what this year was going to be, despite yeah, the fact that they, I did. They, they've tried to put lipstick on the pig by saying they're going to mm-hmm. be competitive. Like, Oh, shiny and blah, blah, blah. And, and I know and I know David Stearns has said that again today, that they're, they're competing for the playoffs. I, I think in a division where the Braves are a juggernaut, the Phillies... Have have made the World Series and nearly got to the World Series in the last two years, and I think not only that, because they refused to go outside for a designated hitter, despite the fact that lineup struggled for power for the last two or three years. Yeah, Peter Alonso yes. gone. If you if you look if you read between the lines of everything I'd be they shocked said, if they did not, he wants to be a man. I'd be shocked if they did not resign him, and if he did not resign with the Mets, they have to resign him. If if they if they were so, there's two things, and these are going to slightly contradict each other. But bear with me. I get it. I got you. If, if they were serious about keeping him, they would have extended mm-hmm. him by now. I'm with you but, on that. But the contradictory part of that is they almost can't because of who his agent is. He's he switched agents to Scott Boris. Scott Boris isn't yeah. there. 
Mets have signed, they've signed uh, contracts with Boris agents in the past. Yeah, but I'm not but, worried about that. But if you look at next year's free agency class, that's that is his golden goose. You know There's what? No... Listen, the Mets, in my opinion, sign sign Alonzo. He wants to be met in you as a Met owner or investor. You want him to be met. You want to be around for a long time. Um, I would keep him. I think that could happen. Uh, whether whether they do it or don't do it, listen. The stupid thing is that you can't just let someone like that walk. That's someone you have to you have to trade. And, well, and, and this is this is what I was just going to say. This is the rub. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. the Mets want him. That's crazy. Pure. The reason I say that is because mm-hmm. Steve Cohen has wanted David Stearns to run his baseball team ever since he bought okay. the team. Yeah. So he he is now giving the team over. This is now David Stern's team. Yeah. David Stern's has made his name mm-hmm. by making tough decisions and building through pitching. The Mets have no pitching at all. They have no no pitching. I agree. And if you and if you read all of his comments on Pete Alonso, he's playing into the Scott Boris thing because what they're banking on is Pete Alonso to have a monster first half of the year mm-hmm. and then they'll trade him. Well, you know what? You know what, Andrew? I don't know about you. I want to know how you think about this. Um, man, we have to start a New York Mets uh, podcast. Yeah, for sure. You know, cross stream. We'll do both. Andrew Steele and uh, you know, I'll come up with a name for a Toilets of Titles New York Mets show. <sighs> Got to start doing it. Um I want Pete Alonso, but you know what? Honestly, it here's the, my thing with Pete Alonso. I love Alonso. I want to keep him. However, if they want to trade, if they want to trade him, that's fine. Get something in return. I don't just want to lose him to free. You can't lose him to free agency. But here's the thing: is that the, what I see is that the Mets aren't winning anything until they have good young pitching again that they yeah. develop. And just like you had in 2015, it took him few years to gather. Garner that de- that talent and develop it, and by 2015 they added a few bats. Whammo! They go to the World Series, which they lost, but they went to the World Series. If you look at what Stearns did with the Brewers, he uh, you look at he did a lot with the small market he, team. He can do he a lot de- with the Mets. He developed Woodruff, Burns, yeah, um, Hader, but he did all that on a, a small market budget. He's right. going to have more money to play with the Mets, but you've also got to start from somewhere. So you have to start I, from somewhere. I, I can see as as much as it would piss the fan base off. I think probably from Stern's point of view, and, and I, I'm just reading a lot of his comments, and this is I, I'm just speculating, but this is the feeling I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably because outside of Alonso, the Mets haven't got many tradable assets that would get back a monster package. No, I think he's probably okay in trading Alonso at the de- at the deadline, especially if he thinks they might lose him. Because if, if you think about it, the Cubs made the the boldest move of the off season by hiring Craig Council, but yet they've not mm-hmm. really done anything this off season. They'll probably re-sign Bellinger, but this wasn't a great free agency class. Next year will be better, and if they went out and signed a Pete Alonso because obviously they've not hired Craig Council to be a rebuilding team. Um, yeah. And you can put a few other teams in that. So I think if Stearns could get 
two or three high-end arms in the deal for Alonso, mm-hmm. then he then the difference is working under Steve Cohen. He will then yeah. have the he will then have the money to go out and sign a big bat in free agency because it's probably more feasible to spend money on a bat in free agency than it is a, a pitch. Yes, it is. I think that, that's, I think that's what they'll do. Personally. It makes it makes all the sense because they have no they've got good to decent young bats coming out of uh, the minor leagues you know, over the next few years. I'm not the craziest out of the guys they acquired last year, to be honest with you. Um, but they've uh, but they have zero pitching. And remember when uh, when they started when they when they moved on from um, the general manager from the from the mid to late 2000s, um, Omar Manai, who I actually loved, who I actually you know I think was a really good general manager. Um, they moved on from him. Uh, they started doing a really good job actually developing young pitching. Well, or acquiring young pitching, they drafted Matt Harvey. They traded traded for Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler. They traded um, what was his uh, AJ Dillon? Was that his name? The the knuckleballer who they traded Toronto for to, for Syndergaard. Was it AJ Dillon? What was he? Was a knuckleballer who won like the Cy Young one or two years in a row. Oh, okay. But you're talking about like 2013, 2014. It was over. It was 10 years ago. But anyway, they tra- um, whoever they traded, it, w- it was a um, sorry, it was a knuckleball that traded for Toronto for, to Toronto for Syndergaard. So you had Harvey, who they drafted, Wheeler, who they traded for with Beltran, um, Syndergaard, who they traded for with um, with a knuckleball starting pitcher, uh, and then they also uh, drafted uh, Stephen Matz. They had five pitchers in 2015 who were all, you know, basically homegrown or they at some point came through the Mets farm system and they should have won that world series. I, to this day, I'm so shocked that they, they were the better team on paper, in my opinion, the, the Mets. Um, but you need young pitching. I'm not saying you have to have five young studs, but you have to have some studs yeah, and they have sure. none of that in the, in the Mets farm system. So, I don't know. I think it's time to start a a, a Mets uh, podcast, Andrew. Yeah, I think it's I, time. I, I think we need to do it. I, absolutely, I think we need to do it. But it is. We are an hour and forty five minutes in. This this was supposed to go forty minutes. We went an hour into an hour and forty five minutes into it because we're just so much to talk about and just great conversation. But I don't know, man. I don't know. And how do you want to wrap this up right now? This twenty twenty three season, Super Bowl fifty eight. Andrew, I'm going to give you the mic. You're my guest. Any way in particular you'd like to wrap this up? I, I think we we just leave it simple as as we've as we've gone long tonight, as you said. I think the only way to wrap it up is that Patrick Mahomes is the goat, and the Chiefs are just getting started. Yeah, just like the 2000, like four 2005 Patriots, just getting started, man. And hopefully, listen, for those of you who are, like, haters out there, if you're an AFC West fan, like a Raiders fan or a Broncos fan, good luck to you. Good luck because it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long this, 10 to 12 this, years. This is how I'll, I'll mic drop this. If you don't like Mahomes or the Chiefs, then, as, as Joe said, best of luck to you because if you think what they did up until Sunday – well, the fact that they've now gone back to back and are now building a dynasty 
they are going to be on every commercial. They're going to be Kelsey and Mahomes are going to be everywhere all off season long. There's going to be no escaping Mahomes and the Chiefs. So if you yeah. don't, if you if if you if you're really hell bent on hating Mahomes and the Chiefs, which I, I don't know why you would be, then my suggestion is go go befriend Elon Musk and see if you can be fired up to Mars on a rocket. Yeah, good luck to you, people. Good luck that, to you. That, I'm, that, I'm glad that's that how to end it. I'm glad that Reed is out of my division and the Mahomes was never in my division, the NFC East. So thank God. As long early this this these playoffs, when the De- Cowboys got knocked off and the Eagles got knocked off, I'm like, from here it's easy coasting. I can root for whoever, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so but all right, Andrew. Hey, listen, I'm glad we both had a very, very uh, fun, even though our team sucked. Our team stuck. Yeah. We had a, it was a, an eventful uh, NFL 2023 season. Great way to wrap up the year, the season. And listen, we are officially 2024 NFL season, that is. The Chiefs being the Super Bowl champions, it's old news at this point. They've been champions for 24 hours. It's old news. As Bill Belichick said, we're on to Cincinnati. Exactly. All right, everybody. Again, everyone have a great night. I hope you enjoyed uh, the Super Bowl yesterday. And we're heading into the draft. Andrew, do you want to promo your show a little bit? Your podcast? Uh, yeah, so the, the Andrew Steele podcast can be found wherever you, you get your podcasts. Um, also got the Steele Sports Bar, the Everyman Sports site mm-hmm. for the Everyman Sports fan. You can find that at thesteelsportsbar.substack.com. Awesome. And listen, here are Toilets of Titles. This is New York Giants Corner, but, you know, it's one of the Toilets of Titles programs. Uh, we've got a lot of draft going stuff going on. Uh, Coach and I and Ephraim, uh, aka Mister Irrelevant, we're doing our uh, draft profiles. We have a few every week. We're updating our big board every other week. And as a matter of fact, we're in the middle of doing our tenth mock draft uh, for 2024. So this is one of the biggest times of our season. You know, right now leading up to the draft, as well as leading up to the start of the NFL season, because that. In 2024, we're fantasy football. That's our bread and butter over here. But right now, uh, we're busy with draft stuff. So uh, everybody, just continue to tune in. And uh, you know, it's been it was a great 2023, and just it's going to be an even better 2024. So this is Joe. I'm out of here. Andrew had a great time talking, going pretty much back to back two out of the past three days. You know, talking about. Uh, the pregame on the Super Bowl and the postgame. And this is a wrap for the 2023 season. All right, everybody, take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. Adios, amigos.